0: From the 14-game win streak to finally end in the drought and even winning a playoff series in Toronto, today we say thank you to the 2022 Seattle Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, we'll be reflecting on the 2022 season and saying thank you to this wonderful Mariners Ball Club. We'll go over some of our favorite memories from the year, talk about what this team is poised to do in the future, and plenty more. This is mostly going to be a casual, laid-back chat, uh, and uh, we'll also want to hear from you down in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. So be sure to comment below. Tell us your thoughts on the season. What's your favorite memory from the season? All that good stuff. Colby, I want to start here. Um, to me, and obviously this is a very low bar for the Mariners to clear, uh, but this was my favorite season of my life watching baseball. I assume the same for you, right?
1: I don't know. 2001 was pretty good, but I was still young enough that didn't really like – I had nothing to compare it to at the time. It's kind of my first year really mm-hmm. watching baseball, so – Uh, yeah, almost by default, uh, you know, it's, it's probably this team, um, you know, not that they didn't earn it, uh, based on how they played and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you have one playoff team in the last, you know, 20 years. It's probably your favorite one to watch, right? So, uh, yeah, it, uh, had a lot of the elements of the other teams that, uh, we, we liked here in Seattle. They had, you know, some personality, some fun, but, uh, they just also decided to add winning uh and winning a lot to uh to their bag of tricks and uh yeah so you add that all together and seems pretty obvious this is probably a lot of people's favorite team uh over the last 20 years
0: yeah i mean you know i'm 26 years old i you know was conscious for the 2001 season and i love that season but you know since i've gotten older i don't remember everything about that season either Uh, at least my personal experience watching that season i remember like you know, the all-star game i remember a couple things here and there about the pl- postseason and all that and you know towards the end when they clenched and you know how 9-11 impacted everything and all that but that's really it this season obviously because i'm you know an adult and i'm more conscious watching this season play out i'm going to remember this more and obviously you know for you and i uh specifically we have uh, a really big emotional attachment to this season because you and I covered it the whole year here on locked on on uh, on our Patreon all that uh, and you and I also got to go to some of the biggest moments of this season in person you got to see the clinch. you got to see the first uh, playoff game in 21 years in Seattle I got to go to the Mariners first playoff game in 21 years in Toronto Uh got to see them win their first playoff series in 21 years like um you know we got to experience those things uh you know right there uh front and center and uh got to cover this team and help you know tell the story of this team and, and for that i'm incredibly honored and i'm uh, i'm so grateful to you know our listeners over this uh past year we've added a lot of new listeners because you know we started locked on you know in august of uh 2021 but Really, this was the year that things, you know, kicked off for us here on Locked On, and it's been great to see the community grow. It's great to see, you know, and it's not just, you know, our experiences, our personal experiences. It's also some of the experiences that other people in the community have had as well, like Sophie with, you know, sending a pizza to Jesse Winker and and how that all blew up and how that kind of was part of, you know, that moment where things started to turn around for the Mariners and. Um, it's just, it's really cool to see, you know, this community really be a part of this thing as well and get to really share it with the players and the coaches and everyone involved in the organization. It's been a lot of fun to, to watch play out. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a great year. Uh, and I, I've loved every single moment of it. Uh, for you though, you know, obviously there's the big moments, the ending, the drought, Julio's, uh, Derby performance, the 14 game win streak, uh, the playoff series, all that. But outside of those things, let's dig a little deeper here. What was one of your favorite moments from this season for the Mariners?
1: The brawl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it has to be the brawl. Uh, Ty and I have been team brawl for, I don't know, since we met five years ago, six years ago, whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the brawl is, is a big one. It uh, A lot of people point to it as the turning point. That's really simple like that's an easy thing to do i I don't happen to agree with them that that's the turning point but it is you know the easiest thing to point to um and you know a few i don't know a few days later maybe a week later they kind of started their their uh it was a couple weeks later they started their their winning streak and that obviously propelled them to the playoffs but uh yeah i think it's the brawl it's it's kind of the the sense of of fire uh that we hadn't really seen uh from mariners teams in the past and this is a little this wasn't like it was a Mariners team that was like playing amazing baseball at the time. This was a team that was, you know, kind of struggling and, and didn't really have, uh, didn't really have an identity yet. And, and then, you know, the angels come along and because the angels are losers and bums, they decide to pick a fight and, and, you know, the Mariners come together and they rally together and, uh, and, you know, they beat the angels physically um, <laughs> on the field. They didn't win that day, but uh, they won so much more and, you know the the subsequent suspensions that followed i think the mariners lost one game during those suspensions so uh yeah yeah it it uh, it was just kind of the the turning point moments i i think that's an easy one to point to again i don't think that actually mattered i think they were starting to play a little bit better at that point um but that that's kind of the easy one to point to right there
0: for me, it was a comeback against the Braves. You yeah. had, you know, a pretty big lead. You end up blowing it, and it's like, oh, man, you had such a great opportunity there to take a series from one of the best teams in baseball, the defending world champions. And you just feel so dejected. But then you see Julio coming off of the field, and he's smiling. And it's like, that's, that's weird. <laughs> and then he goes up to the plate, ties the game up, and then a couple batters later, Eugenio Suarez wins the game. And... That was the most pumped up I've been over a Mariners game, like, like verbally, like physically, like pumped up, you know, like I, I popped off when that happened uh, in like a really long time. Like, I don't remember getting that excited over a Mariners game in a really long time. I think the last time that I actually um, popped off that that much over a Mariners moment was when Mitch Hanniger hit the walk off against the Angels in the rain. Uh, mm. Do we remember the that Facebook
1: one? game? Yeah,
0: yeah, the Facebook game, the Facebook game back when MLB thought it would be a great idea to air games on Facebook. Ugh. They're so dumb. Uh, and now they're just doing it on YouTube. Which?
1: Uh, how about?
0: Yeah, it's Major League Baseball stupid. Let's just call it yeah. like it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's how about? It's really bad. It's really bad. How about the
1: the Smackdown? The Astros laid on the Mariners that nobody remembers because it happened to be the same night the Mariners acquired one Luis Castillo. Mm. Um, so obviously the acquisition of Luis Castillo is a huge one. Um, and, uh, it's, it appears like it's going to pay dividends for at least a couple more years. So I think of that, you know, July night where we're just kind of sitting there and, and, you know, wondering what Jerry's going to do. There was a lot of talk about Frankie Montes at that point, And it kind of seemed like maybe the Mariners were kind of going in that direction. It sure seemed like Luis Castillo was going to end up being a Yankee. Um, and so we were kind of sitting there going, well, I mean, they have to get a pitcher. I mean, is there anybody else? And then, you know, I, I think, I think passing is, uh, actually broke that one, not the Mariners. Um, and you know, you just see the tweet and nobody cares about the game now. Yeah. We're down 12, nothing. Who cares? We just got Luis Castillo. It's awesome. Uh, you know, and then the, uh, the adrenaline of popping on that uh, emergency pod and, you know, working through the deal and, and all of that stuff and, uh, just kind of, uh, uh, a moment of like, they're they're serious here. This isn't like, mm. well, we can sneak in. We that's great. If not, we we'll attack it next winter and like next year's really going to be our year. No, they they put their foot down and they said no, this is our year. Um, and they went out and they got the best the best pitcher that was moved at the deadline and and turns out the right one because Frankie Montes really struggled for the Yankees yeah uh, down the stretch and uh, you know they they gave up a a good price to get him and has uh, been worth every penny so far and then some so uh yeah that w- that was a pretty big moment i would say
0: and to your point about you know knowing that they were serious i mean that's another reason why i love the braves comeback so much because it's like this team is legit it can come up in big moments against really really good teams against the cream of the crop and win and that was the moment that i believe that they could you know that I truly believed and bought into the idea that they could win in the postseason and go deep into the postseason mm-hmm. and you know they won a postseason series they played the Astros pretty well and you know I think this team is in a good spot we're going to be talking about that a little later on but first a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. We are saying thank you to the 2022 Seattle Mariners on today's episode. And that's right. Thank you, Seattle Mariners, for making the last six months of all of our lives a little bit better uh, with uh, your uh, baseball playing ways. It was uh, pretty great to uh, watch you guys all year long uh, and follow along on this incredible journey. Uh, it was truly an incredible journey when you really think about it from being, you know, down 29 and 39. Well, I mean, let's go back even further. This team was it started out pretty, pretty well the season. And then, you know, injuries started to pile up and guys just weren't really performing as well. You know, you think about guys like Jesse Winker and Robbie Ray and their slow starts to the year. Uh, and it just kind of felt like, oh, man, this is another year you're just going to chalk up another year to the drought this is going to continue we're going to have to hear about this for another off season and things got you know really bad there were people calling for jerry depoto's job there were people calling for scott services job there was you know all that and we don't need to get into all that but you know this team hit a really big low point uh you know and then to to be able to turn things around in historic fashion i remember doing the research back when they were 29 and 39 and obviously, playoff format's different this year, so it doesn't necessarily apply. But, like, there were only two teams that had started out with that same record that went on to make the postseason. And I believe it was both uh, it, it was the Dodgers and the Astros, and it was, like, 2005 or 2007, something like that. Like, it was very rare, and it just felt impossible that this team was going to turn it around with all the injuries that it sustained, with all the guys that were struggling. Uh, But they did it. They did it. And they were able to build into, they were basically able to snowball into one of the biggest uh, threats in Major League Baseball. And again, you know, we're able to go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the world, able to win series against some of the best teams in the world. And uh, they were able to go and win a postseason series and go up against, you know, a 106-win team. And yeah, they got swept, but I think we can all agree here that they played them pretty well at the end of the day. And that makes me... Pretty hopeful for, you know, what this team is going to be able to do in the future because Colby, you know, this team in theory, you know, we don't know if they're actually going to spend, but they have shown signs that they are willing to do so. Uh, but this team does in theory have uh, a lot of money and available payroll. Uh, they're still well off from uh, the ceiling that they they sat at when you know Robinson Cano was here and Nelson Cruz was here and Felix was here and Kyle Seager was here, all those guys. And, uh, and they have one of the best farm systems in baseball still. Yes, it's taken a hit with some of the trades that they made and some of the graduations that they've had. Uh, but this is still a really good farm system with a lot of interesting prospects that I think are going to be of interest to teams. So they have ammunition to go out and get not only better, but significantly better. And so with the way that they played this year, with some of the developments and growth that we saw this year and with the resources that they have at their disposal heading into this offseason and... You know, some key players hitting free agency, but not a ton of key players hitting free agency. I mean, you have to feel great about what this team can do in 2023, right?
1: Yeah. It, um, it, I think what one thing we have to understand is that, uh, the Mariners just have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, that's, it, it's kind of this weird, dichotomy where the Mariners have a lot of work to do to to reach their ultimate goal when in a World Series and yet they might have never been closer in their entire history to to getting there so um, yeah you know the Mariners need to do things this winter they need to do impactful things they need to it, it can't just you can't just you know uh, skirt around the edges of the roster and expect to do better but I think you do have to feel pretty good about where the Mariners are at um, and you know, again, for me, when when I see Stanton, you know, write the check for Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts or whatever, then I'll believe that he can. He'll he's willing to do that. But uh, you know, he has written checks for for Luis Castillo and and Julio Rodriguez, so I, I get why some people are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I'm just not yet until he actually does it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, the the money is there. It should be there. It better be there. Uh, the prospect capital, again, it, the farm system's not as good as it was a year ago. Uh, but that's for good reason, right? You've, you've graduated Julio Rodriguez and George Kirby and Logan Gilbert and Cal Raleigh. Uh, and you've leveraged other, you know, really highly thought of prospects like Noel V. Marte and, and Edwin Arroyo, and you've leveraged them into, uh, Luis Castillo and you leveraged Williamson and, and, um, Williamson and, uh, Who's the other guy? <laughs> Connor Phillips. Thank you, Connor Phillips. Uh, and you leverage that into A. Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker. So, by um,
0: the way, real quick, just before we go further, we will, uh, we we are aware of the Jesse Winker stuff that came out today uh, from Ryan Dibbish. We're going to talk about that later on this week. Today, though, mm. we wanted to just stay positive and just kind of talk about this team in a uh, positive sense. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, the foundation's been laid, and and it didn't cost
1: nearly as much as it costs to lay the foundation of, you know, the, the Jack forensic team. So the Mariners have to feel pretty, have to be feeling pretty good about this. They have a baseball ops department that has an eye for talent, has an eye for development. Uh, they're, they're good at these things and, and, and they're in a good spot. So if ownership is willing to open up the checkbook and I don't mean, Oh, look, they let Jerry sign an $8 million reliever. That that's meaningless. Right. Are you going to cut the $150 million, $200 million check that it's going to take to get Correa or, or Turner or Bogarts or Swanson or Judge or Nemo plus whatever, right? Are you going to be willing to do that? And if the answer is yes, then the Mariners should be very excited. If the answer is no, you know, there, there might be some uh, – there, there probably is a, a cap on what you can be as a baseball team and it's probably hmm. what you saw this year, so – uh, ownership has to step up. The Mariners uh, front office did their part. The player development has done their part. Uh, the fans have done their part. It's on ownership now. Uh, and whether or not you feel good about it, I I think it's a, a valid opinion either way. You feel good about John Stan? Fine. All right, cool. You don't feel good about him? I totally get it. I don't really either mm-hmm. right now. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I think overall the, the tone has to be of, of optimism uh, that this team is going to get the players they need to get uh this winter
0: yeah i would say that i don't necessarily feel good about john stanton but i feel better about john stanton after the castillo and and rodriguez extensions i'm not yet ready to buy in on him now suddenly being willing to go back to a 180 million dollar payroll and let's also make one thing clear that the mariners don't necessarily need to get to that number to build a great baseball team they can go out and trade for guys that you know are still you know three four five win players and they don't make a ton of money right? It that doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is the value that they add, not the money that they add. And so right. you know that's going to be a discussion. That's going to be a thing that we're going to remind people of over the course of the off season, mm-hmm. depending on how things go. But yeah, the the Mariners should be well, To your point, the Mariners have to be willing. Uh, to do that in order to get significantly better, in order to get to right. where they want to go, which is, you know, to me, you want to be in a position to actually feasibly be able to compete for the division next year yep. and compete for a World Series next year. Because the drought is the drought is over, you've won a wild card, now the goalposts have to shift.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, last, last winter they weren't really willing to do that. Uh, we know that they were interested in big free agents. They actually got Robbie Ray. And we know that they made, you know, pretty good offers to uh, Trevor Story and uh, Simeon. I believe is the other one we heard. Yeah. That they had they had made some pretty good offers, but they weren't willing to go over the top to get those guys. Are they going to be willing to do that this year? If you know you go to Correa hypothetically or Xander, who pick whichever whichever one you want, right? And you offer them 180 million, and they say, "Well, we want 200 million over the same time span." Is John Stanton going to say yes? he should you know you can argue whether he should have done that last year too but kind of a good thing he didn't with trevor story right and and jerry clearly had that that line of demarcation that this is the most we're willing to give you is that going to be put in place this year i don't know and obviously there's a there's a point where it just no matter how much you want the player the price just becomes an issue and you just have to drop out um and you might get there with with bogarts or turner or whatever pick pick the shortstop you want i tired of listing them all we're just gonna start calling them the shortstops uh pick the shortstop that you want and uh you know set the price and if he says hey i'm I'm interested but i want you know an extra five million a season than what you're offering is john stanton going to say yes and is he going to say yes without saying well yeah jerry you can do that but that five million is coming out of your budget like you're you're not like i'm not letting you spend five million over your budget because that's not what world series teams do Mm-hmm. World Series teams swallow the five million just to get the best player they can.
0: They go for and the kill what, shot.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of where the Mariners are right now. They have an opportunity to uh not only build on this momentum, um, but also build on uh, you know, all the hard work that's gone into the last five years of this rebuild to not necessarily put a capper on it, but to kind of push this thing over the over the mountaintop, like get it to Right now, you're still pushing that boulder up the hill, and, and it feels like you've reached the mountaintop, but you haven't. You haven't won the World Series yet. You, you've reached a great plateau, and that's amazing. But now it's time to start pushing that rock again. And now it's time to get to a World Series, and, and money should not stand in the way, uh, within yep. reason of, of yep. you know, John Stan's pursuit of a World Series yep. that he claims he wants so badly. Well, right. we're about to find and,
0: out. And you know this year i think the the mariners are not going to run into as many challenges to attract right. free agents uh and i tweeted this shortly after uh the loss on saturday that people definitely noticed people definitely noticed that atmosphere what this team has done over the last few weeks uh what it did in toronto and just how well it you know played against houston and and all that it sees how close this team is to competing and now you know, close is kind of a relative term, right? Because it it means that you still have to put a lot of work in. There's still a lot of work to be done on this roster. They're still well ways off from what the Astros are. They're, you know, they finished 16 games behind the Astros. You know, they got to make up a lot of ground there still uh, in order to feasibly, again, you know, feasibly compete for a division. But players noticed, players around the league noticed, players that are about to hit free agency noticed, And more importantly agents noticed that's the big thing and if agents actually want their player to play in seattle because they think that they can get the money and they can you know that place can elevate their client then you're in a good spot if you're the mariners you don't have to do as much selling as they've had to do in the past there are still going to be hurdles that get in, in the way of bringing players to Seattle, like the travel. Those things, like the geography, you just, you're not going to be able to change that, right? Those things are ultimately out of your control. Some guys are just not going to want to live in Seattle for half a year and do all the travel that is necessary. And plus, there's going to be even more travel involved this year because you're going to be facing more teams. You're going to be going all around the country even more so than in the past because of how the schedule is changing. Um, and the fact that you are going to play every single te- team at least once a year. So, you know, that's going to still factor in, but you're not going to have to, there shouldn't be as much of a tax on you anymore for being, you know, a cellar dweller for lack of a better term in Major League Baseball. You're now a playoff team and you did some damage in the playoffs. And I think that was really important because it's one thing to get to the playoffs and then the drought, you know, that's a cool story. You know, most people feel great about that, whatever. But actually being able to go into not only a playoff series, but a playoff series in a hostile environment against a really talented team. A team that you and I, Colby, have said was about a year ahead of the Mariners in terms of their rebuild. And, you know, you swept them and you had one of the most historic comebacks in all playoff history. I think that does matter. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, players are going to want to be a part of that. They see this clubhouse. They see how much fun they're having. They see, you know, the likes of George Kirby and Julio Rodriguez and Cal Raleigh and these young guys that tells these players and tells these agents like this is a sustainable product potentially. This is not something that is, you know, you go there and you have like a one to two year window. This is a potential for a, a decade long window in seattle something that is really exciting for you know younger players you know and carlos correa is you know approaching uh 30 i believe but like uh you know he's, he's 27 a, 27 okay yeah so like even though that he's like you know uh, past 25 like that's still a really young player that's you know still has a lot of years ahead of him that, you know, that's going to be appealing to someone like that, that it's not, you know, I'm going to have to go through a rebuild process like a Marcus Simeon, right? Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, they chose to go through a rebuild process for the end goal, which is like three or four years down the road in Texas. Meanwhile, in Seattle, it's like you can win now and you can potentially win like five or six years down the road as well if you want to sign a long-term contract here. So that's also going to be appealing. The, The Mariners just have a lot of things that are like they don't even need to sell guys on. Like, it, it speaks for itself. The, the, the situation itself speaks for itself. And so that puts the Mariners in a different position. And like I said on Twitter a few days ago, this is going to be an offseason, I think, that is unlike any other we've seen for the Mariners in quite some time. That players are actually going to want to come to Seattle and be a part of this thing. Whereas in the past, it's been the Mariners have had to bend over backwards to get players to come to Seattle for the most part.
1: Yeah. Um, I think what Ty's trying to say is gear up for another Richie Sexton and Adrian Beltre free agent signing winter (laughs) because it worked out so well the first time. Uh, Let's
0: maybe not do that. (laughs) Let's maybe not do that. Even though I love Adrian Beltre and Richie Sexton gave us our last brawl before Jesse Winker did. mm -hmm. But let's maybe get better production out of our free agent signings.
1: Richie was pretty good for the first two years, but yeah. uh, Yeah you know let's not go do the Sean Figgins thing let's just let's pay for top of market guys and and you know guys who we think are very 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 likely to be all stars and and stuff like that like let's let's not settle for you know c tier baseball players anymore let's let's go let's flex some financial muscle let's go get somebody or let's leverage the farm again now it's going to be harder because you've you've leveraged it pretty good over the last year and and like i said gotten amazing results out of it so Uh, it's, it's a little bit harder to do that, but it's, you know, money is money. And like Ty said, sometimes money's just not the answer, right? You can't just here Xander. Here's $250 million. Well, I would sign that, but I want to play in Boston and they're offering me this. So I'm going to sign with Boston. You can't be Boston. Like there's just going to be moments like that. And so money is helpful. It's not going to solve all your issues. Jerry's still going to have to make trades. He's still going to have to be creative
0: um and justin uh
1: they're they're still gonna have to be creative they're still gonna have to get things
0: done we should clarify what we uh what we were saying on our patreon show yesterday about when we say jerry what that means that's just now like it's an we got to think about what it means but it's it's basically an acronym for what the uh front office is for the mariner's front office like it's jerry's front
1: office but
0: justin's the i don't
1: whatever I don't know who the new assistant so, GM is, so blah blah blah. blah. So, Whatever. It's so all.
0: help us help us figure out what Jerry stands for: the J, the E, <laughs> the R, the R, and the Y. Help us figure out what that stands for, and that will be our yes, acronym. That'll be them. fun yeah. because
1: nothing can. There's no letter there that can sport, correspond to Mariners, baseball front or office. So you guys yes, figure it exactly. out yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Jerry and company, uh, they they're still gonna have to get creative both with money and trades. Uh, because they don't have an endless amount, right? They're, they don't have Steve Cohen and, and the Mets payroll, right? They're not going to have the Dodgers payroll. It's just not ever going to be the case. So they're still going to have to get creative, but they still have to fish at the top of the market. And, you know, that means that maybe they can afford to fish for one one of the top guys, but not two, when they need two. And then they got to get creative and come up with a production for the second guy. Uh, and so we'll see what they decide to do there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, money should be an obstacle, uh, this, this winter. Um, it re- I don't think it's fair to say it was last year uh, because yeah. they did, you know, make some pretty sizable offers, but only one of them got accepted. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But again, Jerry's going to have to get creative. And I, I, I think he is going to put a lot of effort into landing one of those uh, one of those short stops. But again, you know, there's 25 teams who could use an upgraded shortstop. You're one of them. And there's only four shortstops in this class that are worth anything more than J.P. Crawford. So Mm. you guys can do the math. (laughs) So, uh, Yeah, pick whichever one you want. I'm here to tell you it's not going to be Trey Turner. And I would be absolutely shocked if it was Dansby. So you you can do the math and figure out which two seem like they're only
0: shot. And honestly... The Mariners made it as far as the Braves did. So... (laughs) Yeah, I think Dansby. Dansby's, Dansby's a Atlanta. Southern boy who went to school yeah. in
1: Vanderbilt. Like, <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. Seems-
0: Dansby's staying in Atlanta. Trey's staying in L.A. or he's probably going East Coast or something like that. If if he does leave,
1: right? In which case, Xander the Dodgers,
0: Korea,
1: Yeah, and the Dodgers are going to get one of these shortstops. So, like, if yeah. Turner leaves, they're going to sign somebody else. Yeah, one of these guys. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you kind of want Turner to stay. If you're not getting Turner, you want him to stay. With yeah. the Dodgers. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about all these guys a lot as the winter goes along. Oh, yeah. uh, so we can get into the whole Correa versus Bogarts versus whatever. Cause I think Ty and I would each pick a different person. So that would be a, a fun conversation to have. But uh, you probably, it's probably your best bet to get a high, high impact bat at a position of need is one of the shortstops. Can mm-hmm. they get it done? We'll I see. think that's gonna be as much about John Stanton as it is, you know, Jerry in the front office. So we'll see. Uh they can uh they can finally land their big fish.
0: Uh by the way, I looked it up and um yeah, I thought that Correa was like twenty eight or twenty nine. He just turned 28, 26 days ago. So uh he's yeah, he was drafted, yeah, he was drafted at like seventeen and he made the yeah, big yeah. leagues at like twenty. So drafted in twenty twelve. Yeah, it feels like he's been around forever.
1: It's <laughs> like it's hard it's to like, about, imagine It's been about what? Still... Seven, eight year career in the big leagues yeah. right now. So that's a yeah. long time.
0: Yeah, it's a long time. Starting. Uh, yeah. And it's crazy to think that he's still that young uh, to this day, considering how much uh, MLB action he's logged. Um, all right. So, you know, we're not necessarily closing the door on the 2022 season uh, yet here on Locked On Mariners. We're going to be doing some uh, team awards, we're going to be doing player reviews and just kind of stay the. Uh, state of the team stuff and all that uh, over the next uh, couple weeks here on the show, uh, but Colby, some—do you have any closing thoughts on just this team as a whole as we start to uh, look ahead to the future?
1: Bunch of losers couldn't win the no. <laughs> Um No, it was it was a very good team. It was not a great team. Um, it is the type of team that I think uh needed in the drought, if that makes sense. It it was it was not a, a dry team. It wasn't a team full of, you know, 35 year olds who kind of hate each other and and all that stuff. It was a, a team, a fairly young team with a few uh energetic and and, and uh what it uh veterans like A. Eugenio <laughs> Suarez and and you know Mitch Hannon, just like, it's kind of a weird group, right. Uh, of guys. And, and, but most of them young, most of them definitely coming back next year, or at least under contract to come back next year. Um, I think this is the type of team that, that you needed to, to, you know, in the drought, because it's like, if, if it had been the old team, right. The, the Canoe and the crews and the like, fine, whatever, they'd still be celebrated, but it just would feel different because. Okay. You did it once. Are you likely to do it again? No, no real reason to suspect they will. So I, I think it's important that it was this type of team, this young, energetic team that has club control out the, you know, the wazoo and and tons of personality and, and tons of star power. I, I think it had to be a team like this. And so the 2022 Seattle Mariners were just kind of the perfect team for the perfect situation that happened to be at the perfect time. And, and uh, you know, just based on the way it ended, and and you just look at Julio and Cal, and like these are guys who are going to be, you know, spoken of and in, in with reverence for decades uh after they've retired it, it it feels like we're as close to the the griffey edgar jay Buner like level of, of uh fan connection that that we've been since they all retired
0: i think the word you were looking for for this team and for these players is family and mm. you know like most families not just there's like some that. There was some, dif- well, again, like most families, there's some dysfunctional parts to it. But at the end of the day, this was a um, this was a family. It was really cool to see this team uh, come closer because you know, at the start of the year, it, it did feel a little disjointed because there were a lot of new faces. But there was still the you know the guys that carried over from 2021, which was also such a family. Um, you know, it was such the makeup of that team was was like a family too. In a except way. for Kyle Seeger. Except for- stop it you (laughs) but yes you're 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 right you're right you're correct but you know as over the uh over the months as the season grew older and older we start we started to see this team start to come together a lot more and uh that was a beautiful thing to watch and and it kind of coincided with the winning right the closer this team got the the more it seemed like they won um and it was just awesome to see. It was really awesome to, to connect with these players and for them to be the ones that that did it. I think this team ultimately, at the end of the day, deserved to be the ones that did it. And they will forever be in Mariners lore uh, from top to bottom. Every single player that came through uh, this club, even the likes of Justin Upton, <laughs> they are going to be forever in Mariners lore as a part of the team that did it, that finally did it, that finally ended it.
1: But not Steven Souza.
0: But not Steven Souza. But not Steven Souza. Yes, we we do need to but make that. Don't point.
1: forget the Mike Fords, yeah. and the Drew Steckenriders, and the and, Matt uh,
0: Cooks. Yes. Yes. Stuart Fairchild. Yeah. Did he Cooks even play? <laughs>
1: um, I think he appeared in one game. But yeah, all the all the Washington natives who came back home and pitched in to, in this. Uh, this playoff drought, like Stuart Fairchild and Matt Boyd and Jake Lamb. Uh, So we were so close to the Jake Lamb game against Cleveland. So close. So close. Dang it, Andres. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's – (laughs) it. there you go. Uh, Maybe that's a segment for later on uh, in the week. Can you name every player to appear in a game for the Seattle Mariners (laughs) this year? I'm going to guess probably, probably like not.
0: a sparkle quiz. There's probably a sparkle yeah. quiz that, that has gonna all gonna say those.
1: probably not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the 2022 Mariners are are uh, going to be remembered uh, forever in franchise history. Uh, we'll see if they get a banner uh, up there in the Raptors. Uh, typically, those are reserved for division winners and you weren't even close. So we'll see. We'll see what uh, what John Sand decides he wants to spend money on. Cheap son of a gun, but uh, we'll see if he wants to. <laughs> get the $3,000 banner <laughs> made or whatever. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it's a team that's going to be remembered forever. It's, it's the, the drought breaker, the rainmaker. Rain um, you know, it's, it's, that's what they're known for, for now. They are, uh, forever. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Mariners fans will come up with a creative name for this group. Um, mm. like I said, it rainmakers, drought, drought busters, whatever they end up calling them. But, uh, they're forever gonna be a part of that team, and, and that's something that uh, you know they are, uh, they can kind of wear as like a badge of honor when their career is over that uh, they were the group that did it and ended the longest playoff drought in North American sports.
0: So at the end of all of this, thank you once again to the twenty twenty two Seattle Mariners. You guys were so mm-hmm. much fun to watch. Uh, you represented the city of Seattle well. You represented this fan base incredibly well, and for that we are forever forever grateful Uh, That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners for Colby Patnode. I'm Tieday Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at lo underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez at C A N E G N Z L Z and Colby at CPat11. That's CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on MLB on the Odyssey app YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace